Welcome to Free Christian Church's Audio Outreach Ministries. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, visit our website at freechristian.church to find links to our weekly podcast and past messages. Or you may contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103. And now, here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. Isaiah 55, I'm going to read it slow because I want this to soak in. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And mountains and hills before you shall break forth in singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Lord, I thank you today for your faithful message. God, the message that you have given your church to preach. God, might it bring conviction today. Might it bring surrender today, accomplishing that which you have sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated.
You can be seated. Have you ever sent someone the wrong text message? Have you ever received the wrong text message? I have plenty of stories I could share here, many of which are not appropriate for a sermon. But I do have one that happened to me uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, I got a text message that says, Hey, I just landed in New York. Do you want to meet for lunch? I knew they weren't talking to me. And I really wanted to play the game. You know what I'm saying? But I did not. So I gave the answer that every reasonable person would have given, and I just said, sorry, you have the wrong number, thinking that would end the conversation. But it did not. They said, well, do you ever plan on visiting New York? No, I do not, thinking that would end the conversation. No. They came back with, if you ever visit New York, let me know and we'll meet up for lunch. (laughs) How desperate was this person to have lunch with somebody? We are always getting invitations. In our busy world, we are always responding to invitations, being invited by friends and families, invited by the world, sometimes people we've never even met, being summoned to invest our time into something that someone else thinks is worthwhile. Many times, We receive invitations from the world that were not meant for us. We often respond to invitations from a world that we were never meant to receive, offering us something that they can actually never give. And in that, we are wasting our lives on worthless invitations. C.S. Lewis wrote, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. There is a great invitation here through the prophet Isaiah. This invitation sent on purpose, sent to the right people. And it is God's invitation to be reconciled through his son. The same invitation is the message of all of God's people to a tired and weary sinful world. It is the faithful message of the gospel. Isaiah 55 starts with the invitation, come. Not a suggestion, rather it is a command. 
Verse 1 says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. There are two conditions given in verse 1. It's an invitation to the thirsty and an invitation to the poor. The thirsty and the spiritual poor. What it's saying is you've gone to the carryouts and you've gone to the taverns of the world and you've left even more dehydrated and unsatisfied. You've exhausted your worldly riches. Matthew 5, 3 reminds us, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've been both thirsty and I've been poor. And I've never been confused about it. I know when I'm thirsty, I don't have to wonder if I'm thirsty. I know that I'm poor. I don't have to wonder if I'm still poor. You know it. This is, this is a call for those who have absolutely nothing to exchange for their desperate need. It's telling us that Self-sufficiency disqualifies us from spiritual benefits. In this case of thirst and poverty, someone must bring grace to the table. It's saying this will cost you nothing because Christ has already paid for it. Reminds me of the words to the hymn, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. This is how God works. And some have a problem with this doctrine. He invites us to come. And here's the truth of it. Where God gives grace, he gives a thirst for the grace. And where he has given a thirst for grace, he will give grace. He's sovereign in salvation. It is his work. Many thirst in the world. And they go to the world to find quench for their thirst. And they may temporarily find satisfaction for it. Why sin so hard to fight, right? It's because it brings pleasure, right? I know some of you have these addictions um, to like Mountain Dew. And you thirst for Mountain Dew, right? Or for me, it's coffee. You thirst for it, and what does it do? It makes you thirst even more. So you'll drink a case of Mountain Dew a day or a pot of coffee every morning. So people in the world go to the world for things that will quench their thirst. It brings temporar temporarily relief or pleasure. But the truth is the flames of hell will parch your throat in an instant. Many live this life 
like people who are lost at sea. Sometimes who in their desperation will cup their hands down to the sea and drink a mouthful of salt water, bringing temporary relief that quickly will heighten their thirst, dehydrating them even more, sending them into insanity and eventually death. And the offer here is, come to the waters that quench. Eat from the table that fills Verse 2 asks the question, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? In your labor for that which does not satisfy. To the one who God is pursuing, that thirst and that hunger is for God. Nothing else, nothing less than Psalm 42, 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, the living God, period. How much of your life have you found to be wasted by sin? We spend extravagantly on and invest heavily in things that are not bread. That which does not satisfy. And Isaiah is asking the simple question, why? Continually, why? Cheap things are rarely valued. You put a high price on something, a high price on anything, and people will think whatever it is, is valuable. Right? I remember hearing a story, I believe it was Tom King, and he's not here to defend himself, so we'll just go with that. (laughs) He's at home now yelling at the TV. He set a swing out that he wanted to get rid of, to the end of his driveway, put a sign on it that said free, and nobody would take it. So was it Tom? It was Tom. So I don't know how much time went by, but he wanted to get rid of the swing, so he put a sign on the swing that said $100, and someone stole it that night. (laughs) Because we don't value things that are cheap. So if you want to get rid of some junk around your house, 100 bucks into the driveway. They didn't steal it until it was worth something. This world takes and takes and takes. Everything has a price. And then here comes Christ. Here, it's kind of the setting of a marketplace. And everyone's selling their goods. And and here comes Christ into the marketplace with the gospel in his hand and spiritual gifts in his hands. And he's giving it away. And people continue to pass him by, spending their time and their money on temporary things that have no eternal value. 
And Jesus asks the same question in Mark 8.36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Back to verse 2 of Isaiah 55. I want you to notice the emphasis on hearing at the end of this verse. It says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Reminds me of Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People cannot come unless they hear the invitation. We want people to hear statistics. We want people to hear our testimonies. We want people to hear our politics and our opinions, but they must hear the invitation of an everlasting covenant. For them to hear it, someone must speak it. Hear that your soul may live. We will listen to doctors so that we may live. We will listen to doomsday preppers who have YouTube channels so that we may live. We will listen to traffic laws so that we may live. We will listen to the news so that we may live. But when the word of the Lord is preached, we will not take a single note thinking our minds will comprehend, we will leave here remembering and impacted by it. We leisurely scroll through our phones while a spiritual war is taking place. We will catch a little nap as angel armies set battle. Forgetting the word of truth. Hear that your soul may live. Many times we want to hear so that our worldly passions can be charged, or we want to hear so that we may gain a little more ground on our arguments. We will hear so that we might be entertained, but does what you listen to make your soul live? Why do you waste your time on things that will not satisfy? He ends this verse with something that I think we would, we would have the tendency to pass over because it doesn't seem to fit, it doesn't seem to make sense, but he says it's sure love for David. What's being referred to here is God's covenant with David that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. is the promise of a descendant of David who would rule and reign on David's throne forever. And that's important. It's really important because that forever king is King Jesus. And it was proven to be a forever throne when they put him upon the cross and stuck a sword in his side and took him down and put him in a tomb and he rose from the dead. That's when he forever took the throne. Luke 1 uh, 30, uh, through 33 
says this, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Christ is the fullness of the gospel. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Christ. And in that reality, verse 6 reads, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What this verse is telling us is that there is a time where the Lord cannot be found. This offer of salvation is not permanently open. We must stop wasting time because it is not a forever offer. I was sharing with Ed Plogger this week. He comes in to see me once a week for my sake, not for his, by the way. And I was telling him about uh, preaching at a youth camp. I, I used to preach at a youth camp in West Virginia. I got to do it for probably six years or so. It, man, just got, a, just got a heart for the people of West Virginia. They are awesome people. I think Danny Jewell came from West Virginia, kind of, didn't he? Um, but I remember the first sermon that I preached at this youth camp, uh, salvation message. I always like to start with a salvation message, and we can build on it the rest of the week. You know what I mean? Make disciples of them the rest of the week. And I remember preaching this gospel sermon, and something happened in the middle of the sermon that had never happened to me before, so I wasn't sure how to deal with it. A young man sitting about halfway back in the middle stood up and raised his hand. And I thought maybe that's how they do church in West Virginia. If you have a question, you just stand to your feet and raise your hand. Having never done this before, since he politely raised his hand, I called on him. And he said, Pastor Jimmy, I need to be saved right now. The young man couldn't even wait to the end of the sermon because you must seek the Lord while he may be found. And what if he didn't have to the end of the sermon? The Holy Spirit had prompted his heart. He had come to the light already and recognized, I must surrender and I must surrender now. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Because time is not a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you. And in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And it is received through repentance and faith. The time to receive it is now. 
There is a command in this invitation also to repent. Because we don't come on our terms, we come on his terms. We must repent immediately and we must repent completely. It is a full surrender of our life, not just being sorry for our sin, but being sorry enough to quit our sin, being sorry enough to turn from our sin, sorry enough to be made new, sorry enough to let everything go, desiring a new heart and a new mind, a new you, new thoughts and new ways to go from wicked and unrighteous to having an active living faith demonstrated in repentance and an unquestionable change in the person that we are. That's repentance. Verse seven, we're halfway there. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I don't know what abundantly pardon means but it sounds awesome, doesn't it? This verse is kind of a repeat of what we read in Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. It says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. The shame, the guilt, the grime, and the dirt, it all goes away. And we're, we're, we're asking, how is it even possible? How can a holy God take such a wretched sinner? Because his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. That's why verse 8 says what verse 8 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways declares the Lord. It's like he knew we were going to ask that question after that. As high as you think you can be pardoned, it's higher. As tall as you think God forgives, it's higher. As high as you think you can be set free, it's higher. As high as you think he's great, it's higher. God's thoughts and God's ways concerning grace exceeds our expectation and it even exceeds our imaginations. That's my shot at abundantly pardon. His providential ways often lead us down unexpected, maybe even unwanted paths momentarily. Momentarily. His ways may be confusing, but they're higher. They're absolutely higher. Well, how much bigger? I'm glad you asked. Because verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You didn't get it the first time, I give it to you again. 
You see, man, we can build we can build rocket ships that launch into space, and we can go as high as high can go in as far as human terms in the heavens keep going. Verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout. I like that word. Giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall not return. He sends it out and he brings it back and it never comes back empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What a guarantee. Sometimes the church seems dead and dry sometimes. You didn't even amen there. You didn't. I, I thought maybe I'd get one from dad, but no, nobody. <laughs> but if God's word is preached, then the rain is falling. If God's word is preached, the rain is falling, and where God sends rain, seeds grow. That's his guarantee, not mine. God has never, ever, ever wasted a resource. He uses every drop of rain to give and sustain light. He uses every flash of lightning to keep the electrical balance of the atmosphere. And he uses every drop of blood to buy my pardon. God's word gives seeds. And it gives bread. That's the full gamut. From beginning to the end, from start to finish, God is the supplier and his word will accomplish his will. And it will cause success towards his sovereign purpose. Because he's God. And when that purpose is accomplished. This, this, is the, this is the best part right here. For you shall go out in joy. Why don't the world just need some joy? Something to be happy about, something to celebrate. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You longing for peace today? The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing. And all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You can't lose it. Maybe... God's the reason the weather is the way it is today. Maybe the wind is howling and the snow was falling so that nature could worship the God who set someone free today. 
Wouldn't that change your perspective walking out of this building when that wind hits your face? It's the wind singing worship. This is what happens when God's people are delivered from the captivity of sin. There is joy. There is peace. There is worship. The undoing of our sinfulness is so great that nature joins in to worship. The thorns and the briars, those are signs of God's judgment. When Adam and Eve sinned and the ground was cursed and and, and all of the world paid the price for it, we still have thorns and we still have briars. But in this verse, it's replaced by a cypress which, which is a majestic, life-giving tree. This is what our God does. This is what our God does with his people. He turns a wasteland into a pasture. He takes barren wounds and he gives them life. He calls dead men from their graves. He turns mourning into dancing and makes beauty from ashes. That's our God. These words from the prophet are a beautiful picture of judgment that has been replaced with salvation. You've gone from the enemy of God to a beloved son or daughter of the king. I like this last part. And it shall make a name for the Lord. And it shall make a name for the Lord. This is why we are saved. To make a name for the Lord. Why do we preach the faithful message? To make a name for the Lord. Why do we spend thousands of dollars to get the faithful message out there, to make a name for the Lord. Why do we study? Why do we teach? Why do we pray for the salvation of the lost? To make a name for the Lord. You have the opportunity today to come to the water, to come feast at the table, to seek the Lord while he may be found. To feast upon the bread that was broken for you. To be made new. To be taken from wretched to redeemed. To be abundantly pardoned. To be transformed from an orphan to a child of God. To make a name for the Lord. So I want you to know the invitation has been given. The altar is open, there will be people available. I thank God that His Word does its work. Today is the day of salvation. 
We hope that you have enjoyed today's message from Free Christian Church in Continental Ohio. And we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at freechristian.church. This has been a Free Christian Church audio outreach ministries production.